Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Sorry, I was a bit late. I was just getting my fiber modem has finally arrived, or router. So I went, just had to go fetch it from the gate. So that's exciting. So that will, you're not using fiber now, but you will be? Yeah, I've been on a 4G card, um, which has been a bit ropey. Um, but you, know, you do what you have to do. And um, the fiber's been in, in the house. It's already it's already set up. But but the way they do it here is they configure a router for you and they send it to you. So you've got to wait for that, which normally takes two days, which isn't too bad. But for some reason, the provider that set things up here didn't. There's only one major provider that I know of. It's called Vumatel, and they had the address wrong. So the guys that I've used to sign up my service with, they couldn't find the address and match it to the wife, the, the fiber connector. So they had to fix it. It's an administrative issue, not an installation issue. So it's taken them 10 days to sort that out. It feels like 10 days, it's pretty shorter, but yeah, that's been done. So now the route has arrived, I've plugged it in. So once we finished here, I'm gonna go and see if it all works. Awesome, well, that's exciting. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's the beauty of a new new infrastructure because I think the US has been on the old T1, T3, E1 lines. I think they called them back in the day. Um, and the problem is to replace all that with fiber, you have to go dig up all the pavements, which is what we've all done. I do. Some people do have it, um, but yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, that needs to happen first. So. I do have some friends though who who have it in their homes, but it's not not everywhere. Um, so how is your how's your vacation? It was great. We were in Cape Town for six days um, in the wine wine farm area. So um, Stellenbosch, um, if you ever look it up, um, and a hotel called Spear, which I can highly recommend. Um, I'm actually a bit of an idiot because I didn't take my laptop with me. And if we took, if I take my laptop with me, I probably would have stayed an extra three or four days. Um, cause the hotel was that good with the kids, um, really bent over backwards to make it a good stay for us. Um, so yeah, very, very impressed with it. And, uh, what I took with me was my iPad, which I, in fairness, I could have probably done most of my day. If, I, if it was a normal working day, I could have probably got away with, with using it for email and Word documents, PowerPoints, and, and that sort of stuff. But I'm responding to a thing at the moment which requires two screens and, you know, a lot of backwards and forwards and that. And, then, and the Wi-Fi there wasn't wonderful. So, you know, you wouldn't want to be trying to do something and getting frustrated by that. Um, so we're back. One of the reasons we came back was that, but also, you know, you can only spend so much time away. Um, from working and that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, good trip, good trip, good good red wine and uh, good white wine, good sparkling wine, good uh, good meat. Uh, a typical South African holiday and, and beautiful landscapes. 
That sounds nice. I know I've, I know I've had South African wines. I was just trying to remember the names of the wineries and it's escaping me, but, um, Oh, there's, there's hundreds. Um, yeah. I mean, my wife bought, because it was our 10 year wedding anniversary. Um, and this is why I sent you the text about QR codes. I think that's the find of 2021. Uh, everywhere you go, there's a QR code to scan that takes you to an app or takes you to a website with all the information. So like all our room service menus were QR code based. Um, okay. The menus are still paper based. Uh, but I think that's just an, an ambiance thing as opposed to a practical thing. And um, we went on this wine tram, which takes you, you go basically park at, at one, at like a central point, and it takes you down the track. And as you go down the track, you stop along, you know, it's hop on, hop off sort of thing. So you go to um, Ricky Bridges, which is one of my favorites. Um, we were at, um, oh, what's it called? I can see the name, I can't think what it's called. Um, but anyway, you, you go to each one, and each one's got their own sort of um, uh, speciality, if you like. So the first one we went to was the sparkling wine and oyster pairings. And then the second one was a um, rookie bridge was pinotage and um, a couple of blends of chocolate. Uh, and we were going to look with the kids is a bit, bit long to do three. So we, we, we went back for lunch and ended up going back to the hotel for lunch. Um, and we did wine tasting at the hotel. So you can do, you know, blends and, you know, Merlots and Cab Saves and, you know, I'm a very red wine drinker. And Pinotage is quite unique to South Africa. So it's quite a strong grape. Um, yeah, lots of fun. Lots of uh, relaxation in the sun too. It's always good. Yeah. Get some vitamin D. Um, so a QR code thing, is that, are you seeing that as like a contact list thing in response to COVID or were you just noticing them? Okay. Well, you know, you, you sort of, they've been around for a long time, like barcodes have been around for a long time and you take them for granted in the sense that they just do a job. But I think as in response to COVID to, to mitigate, um, you know, contact services, You've seen them. So in the UK, I've seen them when you go when you go to a pub for lunch. You'd have either you'd have a, a sort of scan here QR code to get the app to do your order on. You can do the whole order and pay through the app, um, or it's for informational purposes. So yeah, as I say, the, the room service menus, uh, the guide to the hotel, which used to be a you know printed out uh, folder with everything in it, you know, map of the real estate, um, all the services, et cetera, that will be a book you flip through. That's all a QR code. Um, and it's a nice way, I think, for, you know, there's obviously a cost reduction because they don't have to go print a whole lot of books every time they make a change to something. Um, and there's digital, digital environment where you now are QR coding, you're scanning something, it's taking you to a menu, um, the menu tells you what they've got. Now that can be updated dynamically to say to remove menus items off, which they were doing. So you know, there was a, a day where they didn't have the muscles that they normally have. So that was off the menu one day. And I said, hey, where's the muscles gone? Because I wanted to have that today. Oh no, we're out of stock. So that now takes a comp away completely their need to, okay, complete, but, but the staff still need to know it's out of stock, but they, but they don't get asked by people that haven't been there before. Hey, where's the muscles? Obviously, we've been there for a long time, so we knew the menu off my heart. So we're like, hey, I want to have, you know, a steak tonight, I want to have curry tonight, whatever it is. And we noticed when things would come and go off the menu. 
um, and the things that come on the menu. And I just thought it was such a cool way for a uh, because they're printing out the menus all the time. They they kind of fixed on what they offer. But now with a with a digital view, they could actually change that. They could go and you know their line fish of the day could be Cabo or it could be um, Bream, which it was the one day. They could dynamically change that in the menu without having to reprint all the menus, which means the chef can go in the morning to the markets and get what they want, and and actually just have a day where they just completely change the menu, and no one no one would know, but they'd be surprised. Um, so I think yeah, I've seen QR codes everywhere. Uh, I'm sure everyone else is, or I'm not the first one to see it. And I think it's a, as I say, it's a good it's a good translation layer to allow people to adapt to COVID uh, and also to share information quickly. Um, and I'm seeing on business cards as well, which we we've always had them because I, you know it made sense as a marketing thing. But instead of giving someone a business card, they say, "Hey, I scan my QR code." And that would go straight to a LinkedIn connection and do, do the connect. Um, and I had about three people do it with me this week, which, which you know, when one person does it, it's quite a novel. But when three people do it in a week, you're like, wow, that's actually, now it's taking off. Um, and it's actually built into the into the LinkedIn app. Um, but these guys have actually taken the QR code and printed on their business cards. Uh, and they were from three different companies, but they're all, all, all wine guys. Maybe it's a drinking, you know, Sort of culture now to because they will network all the time. Um, so it's quite yeah. I think it's I think it's a, a good move, generally. Yeah, I think you're certainly more likely to scan the QR code than um, you know type in www.linkedin.com forward slash you know. Yeah, much more likely to. Um, it's fast and um, kind of yeah. I think there is like a, a novelty to it, but. Um, I haven't seen it as much. I don't know if it's just because, you know, I haven't been out <laughs> in uh, over a year, really, uh, to witness that. Um, I think there are probably restaurants using it here, too. Um, but I haven't seen it on a business card or anything like that. But to be fair, I haven't seen a business card in person in quite some time. So what is funny you said, because I was chatting to one of the guys on the tram. And I gave him my card. He says, oh, I haven't seen a business card for ages. Do people still do this? I said, well, I don't know, but I've got hundreds of these things, and I just carry them with me to give out because that's it's easily me wasting, well, you know, breaking the conversation and saying, oh, you know, give me your number. Or at the end, awkwardly saying, oh, yeah, give me your number, we can click in contact. The card's an easy way to say, here's my card, you know, drop me a line if you want to chat. And there's no pressure on on being friends post the, the contact, if you, know, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but then at least you don't lose it. I actually printed out uh, my first batch of physical business cards, um, I think in February 2020. Um, <laughs> in anticipation, I was like, it's my year. I'm going to go to more industry events. It's going to be great. Um, you know, going to make myself business cards. And then um, I actually, when I, by the time I picked them up, I knew that these things weren't happening. <laughs> so it was kind of just like uh, it's not like he's spent a bunch of money on it, but um, I still have a whole pack. So oh yeah, I'm gonna, it's my business card. Yeah, we changed we changed the dresses, so I had a, I had a, a set from the first dress and then the second dress. Um, and now obviously we, as I say, I mean, I'm, I'm probably giving out maybe one a month. So it would take me 750 months to get rid of all the cards that I've got. Um, that's probably why I give them out so freely because it's like just use the card, it's got my number on it, you know, that sort of thing. 
I still think it has value that way. At least it's something physical. Exactly. It's tangible. Um, although it would be interesting as sort of a substitute, you know, you could have a QR code on your phone um, and have someone scan that and just have that be, you know, that takes you to takes them to your website or, or your LinkedIn. Um, it's kind of like a substitute for. Well, well, like I say, in, the, in the LinkedIn app, there is a QR code. But if you think about the, the workflow to get there, so now I've got to unlock my phone, I've got to go to LinkedIn, I've got to click on my face, and then I go view profile, then I go to the, the, the gear. I mean, this is like already five seconds. I'm, I'm following along. <laughs> and then I'm going to find it. Uh, and you see, I can't find it. So that's that's already, uh, you know, it doesn't work. So you've got to have something. So yeah, I agree. Having having it printed out now, I'm not curious to try and find it again. But do you think I can find it? Nope, no, I can't find it. Nope. Maybe I, maybe I didn't see it there. I don't know. Um, but I, you know, it's it's something that like all our business cards for Hilo have them on. Whether people use them or not, I don't know. But I did have to show someone how to scan a, a QR code. I mean, once once they get, because I think that's the other thing. You see all these QR codes everywhere. But does anyone know that your phone will actually pick it up through the camera? Um, mm. Or do they think it's just a fancy looking barcode? And then they expect you to a, a fancy device to, to read it. Yeah, I guess it, you know, it kind of probably depends. Yeah. Uh, what industry you're in and how accustomed people are. But I mean, I guess that's another thing that with all of this, that, you know, tech literacy around that will increase because, you know, if you're going to your favorite restaurant and they don't have a menu posted on the outside, they just have a QR code. You're incentivized to figure out how that, how that thing works. And they probably have like, you know, a step, a step-by-step pull up your phone, pull up your camera and center it over the QR code and, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, and, and when we were doing the generation, you actually can choose to put instructions in the code. So you can generate the logo. So you can generate the code, sort of just the code. Or you can generate the code and put a logo in the middle. Or you can generate the code, put a logo in the middle, and you can write instructions at the bottom. Or you can just do the instructions at the bottom. And you can say, please scan here with your camera. And it puts it in a really small font. But then you've got to print it sort of you know, five centimeters by five centimeters to see it because we, we did do a couple of tests with it. But, you know, that's that's one way to bridge the gap. Um, but you're right. I think I think if there's any positive out of this whole COVID pandemic mess is that we've brought everyone's levels up, you know, using Teams and using Zoom. And, and that is probably the most common finding. Um, but also these other little tricks that we've all known about, they've all been there, but we've never really leveraged them. Yeah, taking things from sort of a novelty status to really practical, integrated, everyday type things. Yeah. And I do, I think some of this stuff, I mean, you know, it's nice to have, I think, you know, obviously seeing people in person interacting, especially with family in person is, I think, always going to be preferred. Um, but having the option to sort of bridge the gap with, um, you know, face calls. I think, you know, I knew my friends growing up who would face call their parents, especially in college, like they were international. It was like a big thing, you know, I, any friends I had who had, whose parents were living internationally, they would Skype them 
Mm. Um, but people, you know, in the country, that wasn't really a thing. You know, you might call your parents every now and again, but um, now I think it's sort of, you know, I, you know, I suppose there's FaceTime and stuff, but I still think it, it has made that more common just to like make other types of interactions happen, not just like try to plan face to face meetings. Yeah. And I think that, well, I mean, I hope that kind of stuff stays, although I do find it frustrating when you're, you're sitting in a coffee shop or a restaurant like we were sitting the other day and a guy's FaceTiming his girlfriend, he's got his face and his phone <laughs> and sitting in front of each other, talking to each other. And I'm thinking how, how much, like, what was the point firstly? Then also, you know, I can hear the entire conversation because they're both talking without headphones on or, or um, Okay, obviously, you know, if you've got the headset on, you still hear one voice, but not two. But we know exactly what they're doing this weekend. And, and I, think, like, I think some people need to, to maybe, there's a, maybe there's not really rules, but there's certain manners that need to come into it where you, you don't do face calls in the middle of public. You do it in a bit of secluded area. Maybe I'm just approved that way. I don't know. I think there's some etiquette to it. I mean, just like I think most people wouldn't. Um you know, taking a normal phone call inside most businesses isn't considered very polite. I mean, you're not supposed to do it on an airplane or, um, mm. you know, in the hospital or something like that. They're like, you know, do it in the lobby or whatnot. So probably a norm that will just develop uh, over time. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've seen everywhere. I mean, I remember walking around Sainsbury's the one day and I was watching a lady walk around with her phone in front of her face tally. And she'd actually, in the time that she'd walked around, I'd done, I'd filled a trolley full of stuff and she hadn't put one item in the trolley. And I was like, well, what's, you know, I was kind of thinking, what's the point of coming to the shop to talk to your friend and then not actually not doing any shopping? Um, you know, I'm just going to have a cup of coffee and have a you know, talk to her there while you have the cup of coffee. At least then you, you achieved something, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have, I know you had sort of an iPad workday story um, with the trip. Was there more to it than uh, what you mentioned at the top? Well, so I think the, so the first thing is that was the first trip in a long time. I didn't take a laptop and I got into trouble for not taking a laptop because I had to come back for work. Um, and I, you know, I could have probably done some of the work on my iPad, but because I'm working on something that's got a lot of documents, and it's, it's not just a lot of Word documents, it's Word, Excel, PowerPoint, project planning, all that kind of stuff. So it's a really, you know, meaty piece of work that has to get done. Um, so I just took the iPad with, I mean, I always travel with one iPad, which is my book, really. Um, so it's an old iPad mini that I, that I read on all the time. Um, and I've got the iPad Pro, which, I take that as my sort of intermediate device. If I need to do something, I've got it. But I also, we use it to watch movies on and, and all that kind of stuff uh, as well. And, and, you know, with the Wi-Fi being a bit dodgy in the hotel, you know, I download a whole bunch of stuff during the day while we're out on Netflix, and then we'd come home and we'd be able to watch whatever show, whatever series we were watching um, without worrying about the Wi-Fi being an issue. Um, but where, where this was really cool for me was I – you know, when we when we got on board the aircraft, um, you know, sort of my son was was doing his thing, playing with his cars and whatever. My wife was sitting with the, with the baby, and I started reading my book. And I thought, actually, you know, I've got my iPad. Let me see if I can work. So I took out the work that I wanted to do. 
Uh, there's a couple of emails I wanted to follow up on that. Now, you're obviously in an offline state, so you can only do so much work. Um, and one of the things that I found frustrating, and I'll start with that first, is that I was trying, I, the night before we left, I downloaded everything I needed to work on onto OneDrive on the, on the device, so that if I did want to do something or had some time, it was all there. But the problem that I had with, on the iPad, is every time I try to open a Word document, for some reason, Word tries to contact some, you know, some server on the internet to, to open the files. You can't actually open any of the files as you've got. So you just look at them. So that was irritating. Um, but besides that, so what I did instead, and, and this is what I was trying to explain to my wife this morning, is if you've got an idea in your head and you just want to capture it, you can just open your iPad and you can just open your app and start writing. Now, there's lots of apps that are really good, like Drafts is quite good for this, where you just open up and you start typing straight away. There's no rigmarole to getting into it. And even, even with Word, you can open it up and you can open a new Word document. It takes a couple of seconds, but then you're into a Word document. And you can just brain dump stuff down. So that was that was quite a good experience. And what, what I quite liked about it, in comparison to a Windows device, and, and I'm talking about that sort of with what I've got as opposed to what everyone's got, if I were to work like I was working on the plane, it would be very, very difficult to do. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So I would be, I'd have my Word document open and I'd be typing away. And then my son would need attention. So I'd close my iPad, I'd put it back in the seat cover, I'd do something with him for five or 10 minutes. Then he'd get distracted by something else and not need me anymore, and then I'd have my time. So I'd pull the iPad back up and I'd open it up and I'd just, once the facial recognition has logged you back in, which takes, you know, split seconds, you write back where you were and you can just carry on. Now, my experience with a Windows device is not like that. Because when you close your device and you open it up, it takes a couple seconds to open. And I know I always beat up Windows on these chats, but it's the thing that always bugs me about it is it takes so long to open. Then you've got to log in. Now, my fingerprint reader, for some reason, has stopped working. So now I'm going to type a long password. So now it's even longer. By the time I've actually got back into it, my son's back to me going, Daddy, I want, to, want something. So now I've been distracted again. Now I have to close the device again and put it back in the seat box so I can do what I need to do with him. So that backwards and forth cycle on the Windows device, I won't even take it out on the plane. Never mind that in the seat space between, you know, we don't fly business with economy, that seat space, the Windows device that I've got does not fit there. It's just no way, to, no way that fits. It's just too big. But this, this 11 is perfect because you pop it up, you've got, it's on the magic keyboard. It's exactly the right, right size. And it's right back into where you were. So I can steal, I feel like I'm stealing time back instead of losing time. So I've managed to write about 14 pages between the, two, the flight there and the flight back. And I'm only talking about a two hour flight um, of stuff that I needed to get out of my head. Now this is not, I'm not writing a book, but I mean bullet points and, and paragraphs of stuff. 14 pages in, in basically it's called three hours of, of time. I thought for that, it, was, it made, you know, it's a superb tool in that sense. And then of course, when I got back online, all the emails that I'd get up, replying to them online, which most guys will do, or most people will do as well, they'll do the email on the, on the flight, and then when they land, it just fires off. All that stuff worked. All the documents I had worked on, they were new documents. I was able to save those into OneDrive, so those all synchronized. So it, it, it got back into the, the channel. It's just these little nuances that I think Microsoft needs to fix um, to make the iPad work really well. But you know, other than that, it was actually ideal. Now, if I if I didn't, I mean, so, so that's one piece. The other piece is battery life. You know, for that for that two hour flight, you know, I only took off five percent of the battery, maybe six percent, which 
okay, it was opening and closing all the time, so I wasn't using the full time. But, you know, if I had to work a full workday after that, I would still be able to use that, probably get six hours out of seven hours out of it, which I've never gotten with a Windows device. Um, and I think that's, I, and I've never used the Surface in anger the same way, but that would probably be the only thing I could compare it to. Um, and I don't know many guys that, that don't have their battery pack plugged into the Surface all the time when they're working. They're almost it's the first thing they do before they even open the thing up. Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, if you had a Surface with Windows Hello and, you know, it was a lightweight one, they're the, the experience would probably be a lot more similar. Obviously, Microsoft, uh, the I guess the blessing and a curse of being on all the hardware um, and not having, you know, a lot of devices just won't have Windows Hello. Um, yeah. And face recognition is just really nice. So um, you can see how that would be, uh, would just remove that barrier of having to like fuss with the device all the time. And um Kind of keep you in well, that that workflow. I mean, my, my best yeah. If I if I turn around and, and I flick it up and I log in, you know, I'm logged in already, and mm-hmm. it's already an outcome as what I was in before. If I want to go do something else, you know, it's that that experience. I think Apple's just got so right. Um, if I could justify buying a new machine right now, I'd probably be buying the, one of the new M1 processor Max. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I mean, as much as I need to write code and all that stuff every so often. I'm really thinking that to do that through a WVD device is the way to go. Because I think that's where the Windows ecosystem is. That's your bank for buck, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's end it off there because I want to go get okay. my fiber sorted out. Oh, yeah. Um, sounds good. Yeah, and we can chat through that process uh, on the next one. Sounds good. Thanks, Heather. Bye, Ryan. Cheers, eh? Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.